Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning, church. I am uh, Ken Burr. I am going to be your preacher this morning, and well, Donna, Pastor Donna is gone today. And I am Cheryl Hay. I am the liturgist today. And we are and glad to, to have be you here. Yes. <laughs> uh, please rise in body or spirit for our call to worship. We have welcomed the Christ child and declared the glory of God's salvation that comes to live among us. And yet still we wait. We watch and work for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We prepare to welcome a new year, thankful for how God has brought us through the past year and anxious to discover what the new year might bring. We watch and work for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We join generations who learned and taught us how to listen notice and discern divine love at work in the world. We watch and work for God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Come, let us worship God whose love endures from generation to generation, guiding us from one year to the next. Come, let us worship his patient of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. As we gather on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish people, let us reconcile our hearts towards God and one another through passing the peace of Christ. During the next few moments, if you are in the room, we invite you to share the peace of Christ with your neighbor in a way you are both comfortable. Maybe with a fist bump, or a wave, a hug, or a handshake. If you are joining us online, we encourage you to text or call a loved one to share the peace of Christ with them as well. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. And how about if we turn around and wave to our online guests?
Good morning, children, youth, come on up. There's a few of you out there. I promise you're gonna like this one. Promise, promise. All right, take a seat. Yes, this is pretty fun. Okay, good morning. So, who knows what today is? Not a trick question. Yeah, Langley. It's New Year's Eve. Yes, so a lot of times when we talk about New Year's Eve, we talk about how something is ending and something is beginning. Sometimes we talk about New Year's resolutions and we have all these ideas and thoughts about what our new self is gonna do that our old self never did. We talk about that a lot. So I thought today, as we enter into the new year, we could do something sort of special, which is remember our baptism. Now, does anybody know what baptism is? Putting water on a baby's hair. Yeah, a lot of times we put water on a baby's head. And anybody can be baptized. You can be young, you can be old, you can be in a different country, it doesn't matter. Anybody can be baptized. Some people choose to get baptized and some people don't. Either way, it's okay. But do you know why people choose to baptize a baby or why they choose to be baptized? Does anybody know why? Like what it reminds us of? Yeah. Be closer to God. To be closer to God, yes, it's a good reminder that God is with us. Any other ideas or thoughts about what baptism means? It's kind of hard. That one's kind of hard. No? Well, baptism is a chance for us to remember that we are so completely, wholeheartedly, wildly loved. Every single one of you and every single one of them. Every single person. So sometimes we put the water on our heads, or a pastor puts the water on our heads, or sometimes people dunk in a river, just to remember that they are called a beloved child of God, that there is absolutely nothing you can do, never, not one single thing you can do or not do, that will separate you from that love. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy, really, when you think about it, because I've done some things I'm not very proud of. Okay, so here's what we get to do. This is the fun part. We're gonna remember baptism today. We're gonna remember with a little sprinkling of water how completely and totally and wildly loved we are. That everything that we've done that's good or not good just is washed away because there's nothing we can do to deserve God's love. So this is, you know, my Christmas tree left over. And we're just gonna do a little sprinkle. And now here's the fun part. All of them need to be reminded that they're completely and totally and wildly loved. Okay? So I'm gonna give you a little branch, drenched in water, and you go and you remind those people out there that they are completely and totally and wildly loved, okay? Grab a, grab a stick, grab a stick. We might need to share. Oh, we're short one. That's all right. Okay, go, tell them, tell them, sprinkle them. There you go. <laughs> Make sure to get all sides. Come back for more water. We need to share sticks, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
We won't do any dunking. Okay. Do you want a chance? No? Okay. Okay, do you want to do some more? Did we get the sides? No, we, no, we didn't. Okay, here you go. Go get the other side. You got the sides? Did you get the middle? I mean, just make sure everybody knows that they are so completely, totally, abundantly, prolifically loved. Okay? And you can sprinkle while we, we can pray all together. Ready? Dear God, thank you for loving us is exactly as we are. Exactly as we are. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can keep reminding them if you need to. Let's go.
little background words for the scriptures reading today. The stories of the promised Messiah began as early as the written record telling the story of our shared humanity. It seems that we've always looked for someone or something to save us from the power of ourselves and the evil around us. In the books of Genesis, as far back as Genesis, Novembers, uh, Novembers, Numbers and Psalms, the people of God were promised a ruler who would rule them from the tribe of Judah. He would rule with an iron scepter. In their limited understandings, the Messiah would certainly be a warrior king, a ruler who insulate them from outsiders. But by the time they get to the book of Isaiah, we see the perceptions of the Messiah changing drastically to that of a suffering servant who will bring light and salvation to the ends of the earth. Salvation is not just for the Jews, but for every person in the world. Isaiah was a prophet, a political statesman, who lived in Jerusalem from 760 BC to 700 BC and had the ear of the kings of Judah. During the reign of King Ahaz, Assyria was a menacing world power, threatening to overthrow the tribes of Judah, of Israel, and others, and, uh, is, and Isaiah tried unsuccessfully to get Ahaz to come alongside the lesser tribes to resist Assyria, telling him, trust in God's power, not military might. But being a proud and rather crafty uh, king, King Ahab allied himself with the Assyrians against his brothers in the north, his own neighbors, and just as Isaiah had promised, Ahaz was quickly overthrown when Assyria destroyed the Damascus and Samaria, and suddenly the once proud tribe of Judah 
was a vassal state of Assyria. The next ruler was King Hezekiah, who was on the throne from 720 BC to 680 BC. And like his predecessor, he did not heed the warnings of the prophet, attempting to uh, uh, rebel against the Assyrian nation, making several pleas to Egypt to come help overthrow their oppressors. Isaiah kept on saying this is pointless because once again, you're relying on military power to win your wars rather than trusting God to lead you in his ways. Sounds kind of familiar for today, isn't it? Isaiah saw his country turning away from God. He denounced their sins of lack of faith, immorality, and their ethics of oppression. And Isaiah 50, 10 sums it up this message. He says, let him who, who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. But all you who light fires and provide yourselves with torches, you will lie down in torment. Israel certainly needs saving, but Isaiah's vision of salvation reveals a Messiah who comes as a servant who will bring light to the Gentile nations, a suffering servant because he will bring healing and come redemption at great cost to himself. So today's two Luke, a text from Luke 2 begins after Mary and Joseph's purification rituals, where we find them bringing their son into the temple accordance with Jewish law. There he will be circumcised and called Jesus, a name meaning to deliver. But in the midst of this sacred ceremony, another prophet, appears in the temple to declare Jesus is the light of the world, the long-awaited Messiah who is not showing up like people expected. In our second reading, Jesus has now become a controversial faith healer and healer and a teacher who challenges Israel's outdated laws promoting rigidity, exclusion, and oppression, encouraging instead his believers to develop a new consciousness of authentic spiritual life that is abundant, inclusive, and unexpected. Listen now to the reading of the scriptures. Good morning, church. My name is Johnny Erickson. The first scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 21 through 39 in the Common English Bible Version. Please rise in whatever way is meaningful for you for the reading of the scripture. When eight days had passed, Jesus' parents circumcised him and gave him the name Jesus, for this was the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For it is written in the law of the Lord that every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so, led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. 
Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. Jesus' father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and with prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown, Nazareth, in Galilee. The second reading is also from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. Some people said to Jesus, the disciples of John fast often and pray frequently, and the disciples of the Pharisees do the same, but your disciples are always eating and drinking. <laughs> and Jesus replied, you cannot make the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them, can you? The days will come when the groom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Then he told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment to patch an old garment. Otherwise, the new garment would be ruined and the new patch would not match the old garment. Nobody pours new wine into old wineskins, for if they did, the new wine would burst the wineskins, the wine would spill, and the wineskins would be ruined. Instead, new wine must be put into new wineskins. No one who drinks a well-aged wine wants new wine, but says, the well-aged wine is better. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation.
You pray with me for a minute. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. May the words that I prepared be the words that people hear. And whatever we hear, make it be something that is pleasing to you in our hearts. Amen. Jesus, you keep showing up in the most unexpected ways. Last week, we walked into the manger scene, a smelly barn with an unwed mother, and the angels are singing somewhere in the skies that this is the Messiah delivering us from oppression. Now, if you and I were devout Jews at that time, waiting for the redemption of Israel from the ruler king, the royal family, you would be probably saying, you've got to be kidding me. And this week, Jesus, you show up with your mother and father, obediently take you to the temple for a simple priestly blessing. And this prophet shows up, Simeon, moved by the Spirit of God, takes you from your mother's arms and lifts you up to an unexpected blessing. So when we think of Mary holding her newborn child that day, her mind filled with wonder and hope, and the prophet saying something bizarre like, this child would be the light of the world, bringing honor to your people, Israel. She must have been bursting with pride at this mystical, amazing moment. Shelley and I know a few things about metaphors about newborns and blessings, because this summer, our family was on the church prayer list because our daughter gave birth to a little girl named Macklin two months ahead of time. And like any two-pound like two premature baby, there's a lot of cause for concern. Although she immediately began to breathe on her own, we didn't really relax much for a while, for quite a while, actually, but at least for a few days, because after, but we started relaxing after she made her first cry, caused by the dignity of being unwrapped from warm swaddling clothes, stripped naked for a diaper change, it was such a strong cry from this little tiny two-pounder. The nurses said, oh, she is a fighter. And that, those words made us all think, she's going to make it. She's really going to make it. And after that, we started calling her not Macklin, but Mighty Mac. <laughs> and now that she's six months old, bouncing baby, giggling in every way, the, her mother's bliss continues. But her mother's, her athletic mother's main concern now is no longer will she breathe, but will she love the Seahawks like mom does? <laughs> but Mary's bliss was short-lived because Simeon pulled her aside, warning her how the impact of this child would have on her life. This child of yours will cause many people to rise and fall in Israel. And people will, the hearts of people will be revealed, and they will be utterly rejecting of this child. And Mary, you will suffer as though you're stabbed by a dagger. Simeon is preparing Mary and Joseph to understand Jesus is not going to be who they expected him to be, nor did the world expect it. And by the time we get to Luke 5, we see Jesus is about a 30-year-old, renowned, world-renowned, area-renowned, faith healer, and wisdom teacher. And the religious authorities of his day couldn't figure him out because he was continually demonstrating things outside the box. The Spirit of Christ shows in ways 
unexpected. And they began demanding answers from him about his unorthodox approach to faith. Jesus, what gives? You don't pray, you don't fast, you drink with tax collectors, you hang with the sinners. What kind of holy man are you anyway? Jesus doesn't answer the way they expect, of course. He says, let's talk about wineskins. Wineskins. Hey, I thought we're talking about you not keeping the laws of Moses. We are, but we're talking about the fact that the law has been stretched to its fullest capacity and has become a tough old wineskin, a leather bag. Nothing new can go in it. So he continues what we heard before. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. The new wine will swell and burst the skin. Then the wine will be lost and the skin ruined. New wine must be put only in new wineskins. Now we live in the state of Washington. We probably know a few things about wine because we have 1,050 licensed wineries in this state and it's an eight billion, that's a B, billion dollar industry in the state of Washington. So we know a couple things. Kind of where the grapes grow, over there. They start, as, they start as grapes on the vine, they have to be juiced, and they're put into vats and barrels for fermentation before they become wine. But in Jesus' day, the wine was stored in goatskin bags that were tanned and made into leather pouches, and they were sewn shut after the unfermented grape juice was poured into it. Only a new wineskin had the capacity to stretch through the fermentation process, and it would not burst. If new wine was put into the old bag, it would explode, and causing the new wine and old skins to be lost. Now, because Orson Welles made a commercial in the 80s for Palmasan wineries, there's a registered statement everyone knows about wine these days, and that is, we will sell no wine before it's time. Right? So when Jesus says, people like old wine better, no one wants to drink old wine after drink, new wine after drinking old wine, we know that's true. But this parable is not about keeping old wine forever. Jesus is moving us in a different direction. The parable of wineskins is Jesus telling us if we want to have a fresh input of the Spirit in our lives, we have to keep making new wineskins. The abundant life that Jesus offers needs room for expansion. You can't put new ideas into old mindsets. You can't put, make a new life by old behaviors. There comes a time to set aside old wineskins that you might love to death to make room for something new. So here we are standing on the precipice of a brand new year. I wonder what old wineskins are hanging on, we are hanging on to in our personal lives. And I wonder how we'll create some new ones in the future. Now this word gets a bit touchy because, you know, we are very comfortable with our old wineskins, old lives of stability and predictability. The old stuff works just fine, thank you very much. Why would I love my old friends? Why invest in new ones? I'm not talk to my friends at the coffee hour after church, so I don't see people on the borders who are standing alone awkwardly. 
We might love an era we grew up in so much, we don't want to engage in contemporary culture. When we get distressed when asked to use pronouns to introduce ourselves, we forget how it must be for the person asking us who just wants to be respected. We love old hymns, so we don't want to sing anything contemporary. We love homogenous neighborhoods. We love our grocery store and the 15-minute commute. <laughs> what is that? Totally gone. But the old ways aren't always the best because they limit our lives and they have, we avoid the potential for growth. So secondly, I wonder about the wineskins in our church. Over the last couple of months, we've been talking about making a strategic plan for this church. Next five years, how to meet future needs of our community. New ideas for a new church need flexible wineskins. So I started just looking around here this last couple of weeks and making some notes, my mental notes, and noticing a few things and thinking, how many things are here that were once fresh new wineskins? For instance, the stained glass windows in the front of the church as you walk in are 100 years old. They are from the Hughes Memorial Church built in 1924 at the downtown Edmonds of 5th and 8th and Dayton. Elegant reminder of a church's bygone of our history, but they're dark and they are not modern. They're old wineskins. And when you see them through a multicultural lens, you only see a white Jesus. Just saying. The first service is in this building, November 1st, 1959. This new wineskin, this new wineskin, is a result of outgrowing the old wineskin, the old church. That's pretty great, isn't it? Can you imagine being here in 1959 and walking into this postmodern, modern, mid-century modern building with this brand new concept of, of glue lamps reaching the heavens? That's a brand new thing in, 50, in the 50s. And you must have thought, I have died and gone to heaven. But that was 64 years ago. The Visser Roland Clace pipe organ. Graces our sanctuary, beautifully played by Songi, a gift from a church in Florida that no longer had use for it, replacing an old organ that died, that was 50 years old. This is all refurbished in 2010 and involved many people and a lot of money and a lot of time and lover, but that was 23 years ago. See, the organ in the church is a 75-year-old idea. The Edmonds Food Bank began operating in a closet in the basement of this church. Talk about creating a new wineskin. Two women called, felt called to provide supplies for people who were feeling food insecurity 20 years ago. Beginning with a canned, few canned goods in a closet, that wineskin expanded to 300 volunteers and 800 families a week being served here. That's a wineskin. After decay, decay, a decade of debate, the church council voted unanimously in 2014 to become an advocating congregation, which included the motion to use our sanctuary for promoting marriage ceremonies for those of same-sex couples. The minutes say, affirming the right of all loving couples to enter marriage, we honor and support such unions. 
we take this action, believing this is consistent with the teachings of Jesus. A new wineskin was created that day, making room for the Spirit to move in our midst to make the, this church available for all of God's children. But that was 10 years ago. Time goes by fast, doesn't it? See, these are all just examples of wineskins. They all things were brand new in their time. They were brought because someone had the idea of some flexibility, something needed to change. And these wineskins have grown, and now many of them are older wineskins. But they need to be reexamined to see our flexibility to take us to the future. There's a reason people sing Old Lang Syne at the end of the year. I mean, long since past. That being a two friends meeting for, for a cup of cheer at the bub, pub to sit down together and raise a glass in honor of their adventures of the past. So they sing, you can help me with this, should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. Second verse, we'll drink a cup of kindness yet for the sake of old lang syne. Gratefully honoring the past. We move forward. We look to the news finally about the tragedies in our world and the results of overdependence, of wineskins, of polarization and power and privilege. The news of our polar, we see our news today is showing a very polarized society. We shut the TV off, we fold up the newspaper, call up the iPad, shake our heads, get a cup of coffee. No idea what to do. It's overwhelming. Our humanity needs new direction because we've lost sight of each other. We need models, new models, teaching us how to get past differences without labeling other as enemy. I propose a new idea today. It's not that great, but it's, it's mine. So it must be wonderful. It probably has world-reaching effects if we only all employ this thing. And that's one word, curious. If I am curious about my neighbor, I will talk less and listen more. If I'm curious, I will suspend judgment on people I encounter. To be curious, I will have to remember we're all connected in this life trying to do the best we can. If I'm curious, I'll be looking for the divine spark in every person I meet, knowing they too are a child of God. And I want to be curious every day, where will Jesus show up in my life? When we hear the horrors occurring in Gaza today, you notice how the old wineskins of greed and corruption are being used to oppress anyone considered less than or the other to enhance power, those in power. I mean, Christians have to be very careful not to take current events and make them into ancient prophecies. Dr. Reverend Dr. Munther Isaac of Bethlehem Bible College and the pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Bethlehem writes this. The irony for us Palestinian Christians is that evangelicals, with their overemphasis on prophecy, have lost the capacity to be prophetic. You want to prove the Bible's right? You don't do it by pointing to the world events as a prophecy fulfillment. You prove the Bible's right by radical acceptance and obedience to Jesus' teachings by proving that Jesus' teachings really do work and they can make the world a better place. So we are to love our enemies. 
Forgive those who sin against us. Feed the poor. Care for the oppressed. Walk the extra mile be to be inclusive, not exclusive. Turn the other cheek. And then, and maybe only then, will the world start to take us seriously, believing in our Bible and our God. So here we are at the end of 2023, reflecting on how many peaks and valleys we've surfed through this year. There's probably quite a number in every one of our lives. Just might take a time today to think, where did the new swineskin show up this year? And what old ones had to be set aside to do that? I look forward to a new year, and I wonder where the new ones will show up. Is this the year we go back to the gym? <laughs> Probably could help, could help. Change jobs, retire, get to know the neighbor, start a family, begin a new ministry, or do something you've never ever done before. Jesus, you are the light of the world, the Messiah, who is the mystery who shows up in the most unexpected places. Help those of us who have limited vision to follow your light. So now I'm curious, who's going first? <clears throat> Thank you. And now we'll stand again and we'll sing a song that I picked for this, which is, we're going to walk in the light.
easy. As we consider our time of pastoral prayer today, I refer to ask you to look at the back of your bulletin to see those who need our thoughts and our prayers. People have asked for their help, and I'm sure there are those who have not as well. So let's pause a moment of silence uh, as we look at those, and, uh, and we'll pray together in a minute. Jesus, the light of the world, bring light to those in hurting places today. Bring light to those who are oppressed, who need hope. Bring light to those here who are, have silent requests. They need your concerns. We ask you to bless our families, our friends, our community, and our world. Help us to walk in the light as you've shown us to do that. We thank you, you are the creator, sustainer of all life. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that we can look to in times of trouble and in times of joy. We ask you to bring that to us today. Help us, too, as we remember the two words of pray that you taught us as we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us in the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. If you are online, you may give two ways. Online at edmundsumc.org give, or by sending a check via mail to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. Thank you for supporting the ministries and staff here at EUMC.
Loving and gracious God, out of the abundance of our lives, we offer these gifts to you. Through your blessing and our willingness to share, may these offerings become a source for hope and love in this church family and in the community beyond us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You may be seated. I think we have uh, just a couple of announcements, Barb. And Amber have a, an announcement for us. Hi, everyone. My name is Amber. And my name is Barb. And we offer this mission minute on behalf of the Advocates for Justice Environment. As you may have noticed in the bulletin, the e-news, and the Guidelights newsletter. This team is ringing in the new year with an invitation to everyone for a resolution to learn together how to eat in a way that is healthier for you personally and for our planet. We will explore dietary options that include Mediterranean, vegetarian, vegan, and perhaps even investigate the habits of folks who live in blue zones. A certified nutritionist will kick off a four-Sunday, one-hour series right after the worship service, beginning Sunday, January 14th, and concluding on Sunday, January 4th. For more information to sign up, please visit the welcome desk this morning, right over there as you walk out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
the second announcement is about our poinsettias here. Dania has been keeping them alive all week, and I encourage you, those of you who have, um, who have uh, uh, given a poinsettia in memory of someone to take one with you today, and I bet there's probably going to be a few left, so maybe there'll be extras. Um, I think that's it, and uh, please rise and body our spirit for our closing hymn. <laughs> to remember to love your enemies, forgive those who sin against you, feed the poor, care for the oppressed, walk the extra mile to be inclusive, not exclusive, turn your other cheek, and maybe then the world will start to see we are truly following the light of Jesus. And God bless you this, this end of this year and all of next year. Amen.